Hey everyone, and welcome to the House Conspiracy Podcast, a show about the house and on the house. I'm Jonathan O'Brien, and I'm the founding creative director at House Conspiracy. Um, today, as usual, we're broadcasting an interview today with um, Ben Warren, a local actor and playwright. Um, we'll get straight into that, but first, just a little bit of housekeeping. Um, subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at House Conspiracy, and check out our website to see if we can support you and your art at houseconspiracy.org. Um, and one final thing, we are still at this moment uh, fundraising on Possible, um, so show us your support. Go online, show us your support. $10 for a membership, $25, and we'll put your name somewhere secret in the house. Uh, that's at possible.com slash project slash house conspiracy. That's possible.com slash project slash house dash conspiracy. That's house conspiracy with a dash in the middle. Um, and now onwards. Ben's in the little writer's room on the balcony. It's actually got an old desk of mine in it, as well as an antique-style globe hanging from a half-assembled IKEA lamp we put together during curbside collection. There are notes on the desk that say things like, Esky is transformed into a human shape with three question marks and a whole bunch of capital letters. One also says, in the future, coolness is a currency. And speaking of cool, on Ben's desk, he's got a football, a tennis ball, and some nuts. Two balls and some nuts. I've known Ben to various degrees for a couple years now. I knew him for a while due to an overlap of social circles inevitable to Brisbane's art scene, and then I saw him in a production of The Pillar Man, where he kicked butt as Kachurian K. Kachurian back in 2015. After that, I approached him at the Matildas, and then after a forum of independent theatre held by Queensland Theatre Company. Anyway, I'm giving you all this context to our friendship because the following interview is a little different to the two I've done so far. It's strange to interview someone you consider a friend because you're sort of in danger at any given moment from falling into the trap of just shooting the shit and not actually gaining any insight into Ben or the person that you're talking to as an artist. But because we are friends, the interview is a lot of fun and maybe that's all it should be. If you ask Ben, I think that's exactly what he'd say. Anyway, uh, I'll let him do the talking. Here's Ben Warren. No, things do mean things. Yeah, things do mean things. Um, <laughs> and, like, as much as you say, like, no, it's, it's up to the audience to decide, man. Um, yeah. You have, to, you have to know what you were doing, right? Yeah. Because yeah. um, if you don't... Then why are you getting paid? Yeah. Yeah, or why are you doing it, even? Yeah. Um, like, money money. Yeah, because money is so often just not part of it. Like, it's never a commercial... Well, you're just, you're just never getting paid for the amount, yeah. the amount of time you're putting. <laughs> oh into no, it, there's so much free work inherently. Um, which, which you know, yeah. is fine because like part of doing all this stuff is you do it because you love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, try harder, maybe. <laughs> try harder. Think. Think. And think about not only yourself but your audience. Like, yeah. Be audience. Just, I think all production or all art actually should really be um, audience centric. Yeah. Um, to a much larger degree. Absolutely. Um, when you when you sit and write, do you are you thinking about your audience constantly, or when you write your first draft, are you writing for you? Oh, uh, I would say that. I would say that it depends on the story. Sometimes it's more of a 
a, like a, a more self-reflective exercise. Um, I would say, I would say with the one that I'm working on at the moment, mm-hmm. that the first draft was, I was not very conscious of how it would be received by an audience. Yep. I was mainly working to sort of just spit out a first draft and have a story there that I could then rearrange and sort of embellish as necessary once I had enough feedback to go, ah, is this actually going to be worthwhile for an audience? Because I think sometimes it's worthwhile doing the first draft and getting it out there and getting feedback and getting a sense of, oh, is this actually relevant? Is this something that people would see? Um, So it's a big investment in time. Like It Mm. takes a long time to do a first draft of something. So it's kind of a big risk that you take. Um, But it's good. Like it's a good... It's a good exercise and certainly when I did the first draft of this one last year, it was that process of just going, I'm going to do this in five months and I'm just going to have it out there and then I'm going to get feedback on it and if it's got, if I'm not sick of it by that point, then I will keep working on it and fortunately I got great feedback on it and I also got enough feedback to pretty much take myself back to step number one and do another first draft in a sense. So that's kind of what the process has been like for me over the last couple of weeks so Sweet. far. So yeah, so yeah, so you've been spending your time here at Alice Conspiracy doing editing, but um, I guess mm. stepping back to the first step, what's yeah. the play called, what's it about, and why, why are you writing it? Lovely. Um, so it's new working title, because I only ever deal in working titles because I can't settle on anything, is Obsolescence. Um, and it is a step away from the first draft, which was called Senescence, um, the, this draft, Obsolescence, is dealing with um, the, the process by which a society um, sort of uh, steps into a new era of leadership. Um, that idea of leadership is probably a lot stronger in the draft that I'm doing at the moment than it was previously. Um, and it focuses around an island community who are finally ready for, for new leadership and new opportunities Um, that they haven't been afforded under the leadership that they've previously had. Um, And sort of all of this drama sort of takes place within a family structure. So you've got warring siblings and uh, a warring husband and wife, a matriarch and a patriarch of this society, um, who are at that point where they need to now relinquish control. uh, And they both have differing desires on who should take control. Uh, And then... I, the central sort of idea that I'm working with is that it's not going to be uh, one of the two siblings who gets that responsibility. It's probably going, and I haven't settled on anything because I'm indecisive, as I've said, um, it's probably going to be an artificially intelligent Esky, who is <laughs> my favourite character in the play and who is everyone's favourite character in the play. And from feedback was the one that sort of got pitched as actually this sort of random like comedy vehicle is where you want to leave the most important aspects of your play. So it's a bit of a question between sort of God and the machine and the idea that um, artificial intelligence can uh, generate its own sort of impulse and its own drive for success or leadership or um, even humanity. So. Yeah. Is, is, that a, is, that, is that something you've struggled with, like looking at how, how to make AI have agency of its own? Yes, and I, I've sort of only just really found 
Like, I've only found a way to do that in the last sort of month or so of well, thinking I mean, about tons it. Tons of playwrights still haven't worked out how to give women agency. So. <laughs> That's true. Um, <laughs> that was the un- interesting but, but, that you touched on but, that. Yeah, yeah. Go, um, but keep like, talking about Esky. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all want to keep talking about the talking talk, Esky. I want to hear about the Esky, then we can talk about women. I yes. Mean, yeah. um, <laughs> no, I think, yeah, I think that giving agency to something that has been designed by humans for their own selfish desires is a tricky one. Um, but I also think that there's a there's room within the scope of the play to actually like sort of allow the artificial intelligent being that is the Esky to witness death and to see human obsolescence in its purest form, which right. is death. So the idea that once you've seen that as an artificially intelligent being, you're able to connect that to your own uh, your own sense of sort of obsolescence and the fact that you will experience a death one day and that idea of then legacy is sort of applied into that. So, yeah. Yeah, right, right. Like, what is what is the equivalent of death for a machine? Yes, yeah, exactly. That's the total yeah. obsolescence going across. Uh, you were going to say something about women and gender in general, right? Um, yeah. I've, I've read some of, some of the plays, so... Yeah, I, I think I've, it's been an interesting process for me because I've, you know, I've, I've always sort of in my early experiences of drafting plays and writing characters I've sort of focused on writing male characters mm-hmm. um, and that was something that I was really keen to push to its furthest extremity in the first draft um, and I actually tried to get rid of gender as much as possible um, I you know I'd probably had two characters in the play out of six who had sort of um, gender identities that I'd prescribed onto them and the rest of them I sort of just I sort of let them be fluid and I, I was really interested in um, giving that agency to the director so that that piece or you know whatever play that you know comes as a, as a result of this is sort of flexible to the demands of the society that it's happening in so the way that you know certain characters um, hold power might sort of hinge on what you know what person you are getting to play them on stage so that was really interesting to me in my first draft and it was a great experiment um but i think probably i think probably in this second draft i'm now narrowing it back in the other direction and going Mm -hmm. actually for my sake as a writer i need to be clear with these things and that was one of the pieces of feedback that i got that you know, it was an interesting experiment. I was striving to write a play sort of regardless of gender. Um, and I was glad that I did that. But lots of the feedback was that the characters seemed a little bit in, unspecific or mm-hmm. that they were sort of just blobs on the stage and on the page that weren't really coming to life. And so I've decided to take that feedback on board and really try and hone into who these people are specifically. Yeah. Um, and possibly once I get to the end of it I'll look back over this next draft and I'll say actually you know what gender doesn't matter and I'll take all the gender pronouns and stuff out and we'll just experiment with it that way but yeah yeah that's what I was going to ask is like whether perhaps the difficulty of it and maybe the reason that people might have been appearing on the page as like blobs is because you because I'm a shit writer. <laughs> I, it's it's because I'm a shit writer. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we all talk at night about how we regret we regret uh, having you here. Yes, um, yes. But but um, no. Do you, do you think that maybe the reason, like, 
isn't that necessarily that gender is an essential element, but rather that your conception of gender mm. has existed for you from birth. And so it's hard for you to write a genderless Yeah, character. totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's, that's certainly true. Like, and because the play isn't, um, because the play isn't actually talking about gender, it's kind of just a side note. It's like, oh, also like these characters, I don't know what, you know, they can be whoever they want to be, like whatever, like mm. director make the decision. Um, but certainly because that wasn't a focus of the drama, it was really hard to negotiate that. Like it was really hard to plumb into the depths of a character without having something sort of tethering them in their own identity in my brain as well. So yeah, yeah. definitely, yeah, so definitely a struggle just for specificity, I think. Yeah. yeah. And it's got to just be a process thing. I mean, yeah. Like for instance, like uh, Dendron Summers Macbeth flipped Macduff and all that yes, sort of stuff. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot of gender flipping going on on the stage and there's no yeah. reason that you can't just mm. do it after, after you're done with your process. But, yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. What, like aside from like sort of gender conceptions, um, Actually, no, rather than talk about your process, I'd like to talk about mm. you, you as a human. So, did yeah, you, I am you, one of those. You, you are allegedly, or you're an S. Or I'm an S. intelligence. Yeah. Can we talk about that again? <laughs> <laughs> what part of the computer that is your brain uh, decided to be an S? Um, um, did you, because you, you're, you're a practicing, you're, you're a trained and practicing actor. Um, yes, that's you, correct. You've, you've been on stage for um, Queensland Theatre Company and the like. Um, yep. Did you always want to be an actor? No. Nah. Um, <laughs> it's the unpopular like actor's answer. <laughs> uh, not really. I've you know I spent many years sort of just mucking around trying to figure out how to make lots of money. Yeah. yeah. Um, did did it work? N- no, because I because I then became very fond of acting. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, I, I I've been I decided that I really wanted to be an actor in the last year of high school that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and then pretty much from that point on, I got really fortunate and sort of had the door held open for me into a number of independent theatre gigs and um, had some great opportunities to sort of train myself up um, around some really quality professional theatre makers. Um, and I also went to uni and did drama, um, uh, as well as studying business, which... Um, sort of was another really useful thing for me to do, I think. And kind of is why in the long run, I'm very geared towards the audience experience when I'm, when I'm writing and certainly when I'm performing, um, just cause I, I sort of recognize their ability to keep us in work. Um, so that's been a really a big thing for me. Um, so it's sort of about pragmatism. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think art has to be pragmatic. It, uh, you, uh, I shouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> art needs people to not be pragmatic, to be very bold and to take risks. But at the same time, I think it should be pra- pragmatic for, the, for those of us who want it to be, you know, sustainable. Yeah. Um, it's two sides of the same coin. You need people to be aggressive and bold and dangerous. And then you also need people to sort of keep it happening week to week um, and I yeah so I would say that I, I tend to err more on the side of caution for an audience um, do you do you do you, are you like you're kind of framing it like art art should be bold but the arts maybe should be people focused audience focused yeah yeah pragmatic. I mean like the art yeah. should be pragmatic yeah absolutely um, 
I, I think that's a fairly accurate way of putting it. Um, I don't know. It's it's a whole messy conundrum. I mean, yeah, you need the arts wouldn't exist without bad art. Um, I just kind of think that you can avoid making bad art by making your art like comprehensible. Um, that's and, probably and, a big thing for about, me. But thinking about the audience. Yeah, just thinking about the audience. Thinking about how things are going to be received rather than how things are going to be conceived. I don't know. I know. I know. I remember looking at your application, and um, one of the things you said that you could bring to the house was being the dumbest guy in the room. Yeah. Do you, do yeah. You, do you, like the way you're talking? Like, do you, do you often feel alienated around art? Do you often feel alienated? <laughs> by art? This is this, 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 this is like, hey, hey, Ben, are you an idiot? <laughs> it's like a diagnosis of why I'm an idiot. Yeah. No, no, um, no, 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 no. I like, yeah. I think. I think art is a very like and. Being an audience to art is a very deliberate act, and in that respect, it's really, really cool. Um, but I also just think that, particularly in the art form that I've chosen to focus on, which is you know theatre and film, and you know writing for theatre and film, and performing in theatre and film, I kind of, I kind of think that that's so close to entertainment, generally speaking, that we should just relish that, mm-hmm. like. Our art form is not there to do much else aside from provide people with somewhere to go and see something and hear something. And if we make them think along the way, then I think that's probably the, like, that's the pinnacle of good art for me, is can I be entertained and can I also go home with questions raging in my head? If I'm not entertained, it's very unlikely that I will go home with questions raging in my head. Right. And if I do, then they're usually pretty negative questions <laughs> about why did they do that? So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, that harkens back. One of my favorite um, sort of sayings is uh, distract them and then teach them something while they're looking something. Yes, else, oh, that's right? beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah t- teach them something while they're distracted. So, yeah, you mentioned like you're a performer, you're a writer. Have you always been writing or is writing a new thing for you? Um, I think I've always been writing, um, but only through school and, you know, at home. And I never really, uh, I never really focused in on it as a career path or anything like that. Um, I certainly distracted myself with acting and in, for, for probably three years, I, I didn't pick up a pen. I didn't write anything. I didn't really focus on that at all. Um, but then there sort of came a point where I was just I was just looking to supplement my myself and my career um, in a creative way, and I went great. Like I've sort of always been able to string a sentence together, um, and it's a long experiment. Like because you might be able to write, but like writing plays is something else entirely, which is something that I'm you know I'd always assumed, but I'd never had first-hand experience of until a couple of years ago when I really dived back into it and said, no, I'm gonna try and write some plays. Um, and I, honestly, I think that being at House Conspiracy is just one more step in that experiment of actually, can I do this? And I'm wondering if maybe that's an enduring theme for a lot of writers. Um, what theme? That idea that, am I a writer? Like, that question that keeps happening. I don't know, I, I hear a lot of writers who sort of, they, they, they can't exist without writing and they need it and they have to get it out through their fin- fingertips like on the daily. And I've never been like that, so that's probably been a big question for me around 
you know, my viability as a writer and have gone, actually, I don't have this like intense burning thing where I have to do it. It's just something that I like doing and it's something that I hope to be good at. Um, but yeah, I'm still in the process of figuring out if I can do it. So that's a really interesting thing to have a, like a series of experiments over the course of a number of years just to figure out if you can do something. It's really weird. Yeah, and I think I think that you tapped on at the end there with the, the more interesting question is can you do something, not are you something, right? Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Like, yeah. whatever, you're probably a writer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's not that hard though to be a writer. Well, it's I, to, like, to actually be good at writing. Like, to, to be good at it question is for me. the hardest part. But I mean, even just sitting down to write is like something that, you know, most writers have so much trouble yeah. doing. Like, yeah. that's the difference. Mm. Like, that's what they always say in writing courses, as they say, you know. Mm. The difference between a writer and not a writer is that a writer sits down at the keyboard. Um, <laughs> yes. Which is a low bar that many people don't hit. Um, yes. So, um, have you got any sort of roles coming up uh, mm. coming up that you're excited about? Or Yeah, in performance. Yeah. Um, I do. I've only... Yeah, I've only got, like... I've only got acting stuff happening until, like like the middle of March and then I'm just sort of done with it I think for a little while um, like I'll keep myself open to new projects and stuff but I'm in a really interesting space where I've sort of got this end point for roles and I'm like ah oh, cool I'm gonna go do something else for a while I think um, but the next couple of things that are coming up in the next couple of weeks um, I'm playing Friar Lawrence as a 24-year-old drug dealer in the suburbs of Graceville. <laughs> um, we're going to be putting that on with a company. Can I give them a plug? Yeah, um, a plug. Yeah, uh, the company's name is Sharehouse Theatre Company, and we'll be performing it in a backyard in Graceville. Um, it looks really beautiful under lights, and we just did a rehearsal there um, last night, and it looks stunning. Um, so I'll be playing Friar Lawrence in Romeo and Juliet, uh, which is playing from the 2nd of March, I believe, uh, for two weekends. And I'm also doing a little creative development down on the Gold Coast uh, for a fellow playwright's work uh, called Clan, which is going to have uh, a reading at the Art Centre Gold Coast. Cool. Um, my friend Michelle McWhorter uh, wrote that play while I was doing Play Lab's Incubator program last year, uh, and she's having a reading of that uh, down on the Gold Coast, so I'm very excited to get along and do that. Um, cool. Yeah, so that's pretty much yeah. that's my like my future bio up to date. Yeah, wow. <laughs> hey, hey, well, I'll update the website. Um, so you said you said you're taking a break. Are you taking a break due to fatigue to write? Are you taking it to just live a life for a little while? What are you? Yeah, doing? I think um, I've been like I've been really lucky having great chance to work as an actor and to also you know have a life outside of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, just for maybe even just for six months or something, I'm just looking for a bit of stability and just want to try something new. And yeah, I'm certainly not like shutting myself off from opportunities, but I'm not consciously going to seek them out as much as I have been the last, you know, probably 14 months or so. Um, but yeah, I'm just, yeah, I just want to go and live life. Like I want to live with my girlfriend in our new apartment. And like, that's just exciting to me and much better than like scrounging around for like random auditions here and there. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, like in my personal slash work life. Just very balanced right now. So 
going to continue with that, I think. Yeah, good. And have your edits been coming along all right? Has anything sort of surprised you? Has anything changed drastically while you've been here in House Conspiracy this past couple of uh, years? Yeah, definitely. Um, because I was taking like such a big step, I, you know, opened a new Word document for this draft. Oh, and yeah. Did um, you copy-paste the old one in? Or <laughs> <laughs> That's the secret. It makes it sound like I've done a lot more work. No, uh, no, I have copied and pasted, but probably only about one page out of 14 so far. Um, most of it's been rewrites. I'm severely changing characters and intentions and the whole plot arc of the thing so um yeah so things are changing drastically and as a result of that while i've been in the house i've had a number of very good revelations this morning i had one it was about it was about esky and it was about yeah i think i'm gonna like let esky like end up being a villain and also maybe he will like have assumed human shape in order to like effectively control the community that he's trying to control. So that was a pretty big thing for me this morning. I had a good yell and a good swear because there was no one else in the house. Like a, um, like a cheering yell and swear? Yes, or? very much yeah. a eureka. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so you ran very, out of the bath yeah. naked. Yes. You're like, thank God no yeah. one's hiring the backyard yeah. right now. Is there a back? Is there a bath here? No, there's not. Uh, uh, but need a eureka bath? Was... Jonathan, you need a eureka bath. <laughs> I can't afford yeah. <laughs> you could probably get like a blow up kiddie pool but That's it'll be it'll be second hand it's and very like, Queensland <laughs> Queensland yeah, yeah. God. Um, but no yeah so lots of lots of revelations and also lots of roadblocks that I'm sort of just trying to figure out because it's yeah it's now an early draft again so yeah when you're out living life um, mm. uh, after after mid-March which you, I do as a human well uh, allegedly yeah. um, you know that's not what this is about. <laughs> Our toes just touched, Our toes under, just the touched under the table. It's it very intimate. It's very intimate. Um, <laughs> it, when, as you, um, are you going to keep writing or are you going to take a break from writing as well? Like take a break from sort of being a creative practitioner altogether? Or? I don't think so, no. Sorry, I didn't answer that part of the question no, earlier. The, but I it's the, know like, the really interesting part of it is that, no, I think writing is one of those awesome creative activities that you can do by yourself 98% of the time um, so I'm going to yeah I'm going to be focusing on other things but then I think I'm going to have a, a good deal of energy to put into writing um, and so I think that yeah I think that this draft has a good amount of space um, to happen in over the next you know six months or so um, yeah so certainly I'm going to be keeping on keeping on writing generally but yeah just allowing allowing this project to have the room that would normally be occupied, I think, by going out and doing independent theatre or you know, travelling for auditions or you know whatever it is. So, yeah. yeah. The place called Obsolescence. Obsolescence. Cool. Well, hopefully, hopefully we see it somewhere near us soon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or, or I guess or when you're just done. be an obsolete piece of crap in my basement. Oh, hey, that's that's a good <laughs> save. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Ben. Thanks, John.
Thanks for listening to the House Conspiracy podcast recorded at House Conspiracy. If you have feedback or you want to say hi or there's something you'd like to see us do, whether on the podcast or just at the house in general, you can email us at house at houseconspiracy.org. Um, so you can show us your support at possible.com slash project slash house dash conspiracy. Um, that's House Conspiracy with a dash in the middle. See you next time.